Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Well, good morning. How are you today? Good, and I don't know about the rest of you. Okay, all right. We're going we're gonna to work this out together. Hey, my name is Joel. I'm one of the pastors here at Rocky Peak. And before we jump into our time of teaching, I'd like to highlight a few things that we have going on. I don't know if you saw the green umbrellas and the tables on your way in, but this is life group season here. We're getting ready to start the the launch of our life groups. Life groups are where we do church together beyond the weekend. It's where we break into smaller groups and share life together. It's a 10-week commitment that runs through the fall. And uh, you're going to find that you'll, you, you'll be in a group of people sharing what God is doing in your life week in and week out as we help each other grow to become more like Him. And so we have a, all kinds of different groups that meet throughout the valleys. Some of our groups are sermon-based, which means they're based off of the weekend teaching and you have homework that goes with that. Other groups focus on a special topic of the Christian life. And so in your programs, you've got this insert that highlights some of the groups that we have with openings still. And so I would encourage you to check this out, see if you can find a group that fits your stage in life and your schedule and be a part of what we're doing on the back, we've got some featured groups that I'd just like to highlight for you. Uh, we have three groups that are starting that are for, new, uh, are for married couples that are brand new groups. So if you're looking to jump on board with other couples and, and start growing together, this would be a great group to check out and become a part of. So that's that for life groups. That's what's going on with there. Something else that's in your programs is this blue insert. And uh, we are offering a couple of our essentials courses starting this week. Essential courses are these classes that we've put together to help you grow in a specific area of the Christian life. And so it's to help you not become an expert in this area, but to learn how to walk well with God in that area. So one of these classes we have is called Pursuing God One-on-One. You can sign up for this class. This is going to be an online class that you can take at your sp- on, on your pace, at your schedule. And you can get the video teaching and everything online and then just kind of do your reading and studying. The other one we're going to have is going to be on campus as a classroom. It's called Serving Sacrificially. And so you can register for both of these classes online. This class is going to be here starting this week. So if you want to go online and sign up for that, you can. This class is going to help you figure out how God has wired you, how God has gifted you, and how you can best start serving in his kingdom and in his church. So those are the things that are going on this week. So that is it for announcements. So we are going to jump into our time of teaching right now, and you know if you've been a part of Rocky Peak over these past few months that we have been in a series in the book of Proverbs, taking a look at these things that help us learn how to choose wisely when it comes to following after God. And so Proverbs are these collections of sayings, a lot of them um, brought to us by this guy Solomon who was trying to impart wisdom for his son on how to live life, wa- on how to live life well. And so in the Proverbs, we have all these things like there's a path to life, there's a path to death, so choose wisely in how you live. And today, as we continue in this series, we're going to take a look at the importance of our relationships as we do life together, as we look at this one proverb in particular. So let me ask you a question as we get started. Have you ever found yourself doing something incredibly stupid, (laughs) and there's no other explanation for you other than who you were hanging out with at the time? Have you ever been there and you're like, oh, it's because of the, their influence on my life? Yeah. How about this? Have you ever found yourself doing something incredibly new or exciting or something that you may never have done and the only explanation, again, is the people who you're hanging out with in that moment? Yeah, because the influences that we have in life really affect us. And so we're going to take a look together at one proverb that speaks to this and then spend our time together unpacking this. What are the implications of this for our life and for our church? So if you have your Bibles, turn them on. Or open up to Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13, verse 20. We're going to take a look at this proverb together. And this is what we find in this proverb. It says this. Proverbs 13, 20. 
He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. And we see in this simple proverb a very profound relational principle. And so if you want to take notes there on your message notes, this would be something to start following along. There's a simple but profound relational principle that flows out of this proverb, and this is how it goes. You are shaped by those with whom you share your life. You are shaped by those with whom you share your life. If you walk with the wise, you will grow wise. But if you are a companion of fools, you will suffer harm. It's the impact of influence in our relationships with one another. We have a term for this in our culture, don't we? We call this... Peer pressure, right? And here's the thing, I think peer pressure gets a bad rap in our culture. Because peer, peer pressure just is. It's, it's neither good nor bad. It's just a fact of life and relationships. The question is, are we going to choose to leverage this for our good or not? And, and I think at some level, we all instinctively know this principle, whether we're, we're really kind of understanding it for the first time or not. Because any time in your life when you are attracted to another person, and I, I don't mean physically attracted. I mean you're attracted to who they are as a person. There's something about them that, they, that you admire, that you like, and you want to get close to that person because you hope that that kind of rubs off in your life. We're aware of the reality of this principle. I remember in high school, we, we had a new kid come to town. And so as, as this guy was kind of coming into our circle of friends, I was immediately drawn to him for a few reasons. One of the reasons was that he was very charismatic, very outgoing, and I realized that's not who I am. And I just kind of liked the way how quickly he could make friends. And another reason why I was drawn to him is because one of the girls that I liked was also drawn to him. <laughs> and I knew instinctively that he and I were either going to become great rivals or great friends. And so, ooh, bless you. It's all right. It happens. Silence your cell phones and your sneezes and we'll be good. All right. But, but I knew instinctively about this guy. So I went out of my way to become his friend, to incorporate him into our circle of friends because I wanted the dynamic of who he was to rub off in my life and then hopefully score me points with the girl as well. So now you could say, Joe, those are horrible motives to go and make a friend with someone. And I would say, I agree. The point isn't my motives. The point is that I was aware of this principle of life, and I was trying to leverage it in my life. And, and so we think about this principle of relationship, that you are shaped by those with whom you share life. Walk with the wise, you grow wise. Be a companion of fools, you suffer harm. We have to give thought to this and seek to leverage this principle for good in our life. And so when we start to get what this proverb is talking about, it should cause us to give thought about how to use this in our life in a couple of areas. The first area we should give thought to this principle is with whom we are sharing life. And the second area that we should give thought is, with, is how we are choosing to do relationship with those with whom we're sharing our life. And, and so let me unpack both of these for a little bit as we think about this. But the first area when you think about this proverb is it should cause you to give reflection on the people with whom you're sharing your life. Like, like who are you hanging out with? Who are you going deep with? Who are you walking with? Who are these people? Because they are shaping you. They're shaping who you become. You walk with the wise, you will grow wise. You be a companion of fools, you're going to suffer harm. And so we have to give serious thought to the people with whom we're sharing life. And some of us may have to come to a difficult choice, a difficult decision in regards to the relationships in our life. Because if you find yourself as a follower of Jesus, hanging out with a group of people who time and time again, you keep doing things and going places and getting caught up in stuff that you know you should not be involved with, 
you have an influence issue in your life. And this group, these friends, these people are going to be causing harm in your life. And you might have to make a difficult decision about those relationships. I remember experiencing this in my own journey when I was coming to the end of my junior year of high school. I had been running with a group of guys this whole year, and we were a highly dysfunctional group of friends. Uh, We were just, if you watched this, you would have been like, why do you guys even hang out? Because we would just tear each other apart with our words. We would just be ripping on each other. We were like a dysfunctional family that didn't know how to get out of the house and get away from one another. And and as we get to the end of our junior year, our group starts getting caught up in various things and so start entering into the party scene. Some guys start bringing pornography into the group. And so we come to the end of the year and I realize that this isn't healthy. And I look at the mirror of my life and I suddenly realize I don't like who I'm becoming that I have to make a difficult choice, a decision about these friendships. Because there is a relational developmental cycle that flows out of this principle, and this is the relational development cycle that flows out of this. Who you are around shapes who you become. And so who you are as a person attracts the kind of people that will come to you in your life. So if you are around unhealthy relationships, you will be increasingly becoming an unhealthy person, which means as an unhealthy person, you are only going to attract other unhealthy people. And at some point, you have to decide, I'm going to break this cycle and choose to find healthy relationships in my life. And so coming to the end of my junior year, I realized I have to break from this crew. And so I spent the summer trying to find other friendships and stuff. And coming to my senior year of high school, I, I walked on the campus without any friends. And for the senior year of high school, I spent my lunch in the library for the first half of my senior year. This was a difficult choice. At the time, there was no benefit that I could see from this decision other than that my GPA started getting a little bit better. <laughs> but I can tell you today, having made that tough decision, it had significant implications for my life in terms of who I was becoming as a person. And now someone might want to say, well, yeah, but Joel, wait, aren't we called to reach out to people in this world? Aren't we called to be salt and light in the lives of other people and to reach out and love them and lead them to Jesus and show them how great he is? And I would say, absolutely. The question is, as you think about those relationships, are you being salt and light in those relationships? Or are they dragging you down? A great question to ask yourself is this. Who is having greater influence in these friendships? Am I having greater influence in their life as a follower of Jesus, or are they having greater influence in my life? And if the the answer is they're having greater influence in my life, taking me to places I don't want to go, causing me to be someone I don't want, you're going to have to make a tough decision. And what I would encourage you with those friendships, your prayer for those friendships is this, God, would you bring someone who can be what they need because it's not me right now. And as I step away, as I try to get healthy, as I try to find healthy relationships, would you grow me to the point that I can re-engage and be who they need me to be? Because a companion of fools suffers harm. And if you're not being salt and light to those people, you're the companion of a fool in their life. And they're suffering harm because you're not being who they need to be. And so you have to make a tough decision. I I would encourage you, if you're trying to figure this out, if you're wrestling with this in your life, to to spend some time reading and praying through 1 Peter chapter 4. Just in your own journey, just spend some time in that chapter of Scripture as you begin to walk with God and process this in your life. But we have to give serious thought to this, to who we are letting ourselves be shaped by, the relationships in our life. But again, when we grab the implications of this principle, of this proverb, it's not just who we're sharing our lives with, It's how we're choosing to do relationship 
with the people we are sharing our life. Because he who walks with the wise grows wise. That there is an intentionality to the relationship that we are walking together, doing life together for the purpose of growing and becoming wise together. And so what this means is that in your friendships and the relationships that you have as you walk together as brothers and sisters in Christ, your relationship is far more than simply hanging out. And yet that's part of a good friendship, isn't it? Like you just enjoy being together. You enjoy hanging out. And yet understand that the purpose of doing relationship together as followers of Jesus is far more than just hanging out. Look at this proverb here on your notes. Proverbs uh, 27, 17, it says this. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. That the purpose of doing relationship together is to help one another grow into the person, the people God has called us to be. This is true of any relationship in your life, your friendship, your marriage, whatever it is. I I remember when I first met my wife, Christy, and we started to date, I was immediately freaked out because of who she was and the reality of who she was and the possibility of who she could be in my life. Because prior to us meeting, I had kind of created this list in my head of the kind of woman I was looking for, the kind of person that I would one, one, that I would one day want to commit my life to. And so I kind of had this list of like five things in my head. And the first thing that I was looking for was a woman who was a passionate follower of Jesus. Because I didn't want to marry someone who was just a Christian. I wanted to marry somebody whose faith rivaled my own and caused me to want to step up my game. So that was important to me. The second thing that I was looking for was a woman who would have a desire to be a mom because I had a desire to be a dad. So that was kind of important to me. Third thing that I was looking for was a woman who would be willing to live a simple life because I knew I was going into ministry and there wasn't a whole lot of money in this gig, right? I mean, there's a few guys that have figured out how to work this and make money. I'm not one of them. So that was an important thing for me at the time. The next thing that was important for me at the time, because I was in shape back then, was somebody who was willing to like go and do physical activities and hiking and stuff like that. I'm getting closer to 40. That's not as important to me anymore. But back then, that was a big deal. And then the fifth thing that, that I was looking for was somebody that would love me and accept me for me. Like, like Joel, like wouldn't like require that I had to jump through all these hoops. That she'd love me for who I was. And so as I met Christy, like early on, I'm like checking these off in my head and I'm getting excited and freaked out. So one of the things that we had done early on in our relationship and our friendship is that we made a commitment to one another. And our commitment to one another was this. I don't want this relationship to go forward if we're not helping one another grow in our relationship with God. And I I can stand before you today and say our relationship was not perfect. Our relationship is not perfect. But that was one of the foundation, foundation principles of our relationship that has really helped us to have a good relationship, a good marriage, a good friendship today. Because that's what we need to do as we think about implementing this principle, this proverb in our life and in our relationships. And one of the key factors to doing relationship well is learning to grow in relational intimacy with the people in your life. Learning to reveal more and more of who you are and letting them reveal more and more of who they are in your life as you do life together. And yet there's a challenge for us in that. And this is the challenge. As much as I desire that in my relationships, it totally freaks me out. Because there's a dilemma to intimacy. Because at one level, I desperately want it. At another level, I'm totally afraid. Because I don't know if I want you to really know me. I don't mind if you know like the public face. But I don't know if I really want you to know who I am. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Because what if you don't like me? What if you reject me? We're terrified of that. And our dilemma is that we were created 
before that kind of intimacy and relationship. You go back to the garden story when God first created man and woman and, and he put them in relationship. They had relational intimacy with God and they had relational intimacy with one another to the point that they were naked and it didn't matter. Like there was just no big deal about that. Like could you imagine if we were all naked right now? That would be a really big deal, wouldn't it? We'd be really freaked out about that. And yet you look at the first human relationship and it was one of just intimacy without any issue, any struggle. And the same thing was true of their walk with God, their relationship with God. And then as a race, they did the one thing God said, don't do. And everything broke after that. And you read the story of the fall of the human race in Genesis, and you realize that immediately this ability to have intimacy was broken in us. Because the first thing that Adam and Eve do after they disobey God is they suddenly realize that they're naked. Like, and that just seems so weird. You were naked before, it didn't matter. Suddenly you're naked now, and it matters. And the first thing that they do is they begin to hide from one another. And they make clothes for themselves. You realize one of the first things to come out of the fall of the human race is the fashion industry. <laughs> Think about that. Like, hey, Adam, what are you wearing today? Uh, I'm wearing fig leaf. That's what I got on, right? The first thing that we did as a race is we began to hide. We began to hide from one another. And then when God showed up, we began to hide from him. And we need to be aware of this reality within us, that there's a tension within us in our relationships, that at one, one level we desire that. At another level, we're afraid of it and we're freaked out by it. And so we have to be intentional in our relationships of opening up and doing life well as we walk together if we're going to leverage this principle for good in our life. If we're going to walk with the wise in order to grow wise. And so what I want to do, just take a moment here, I, before I start to explain what influential relationships would look like, like as we begin to do this in one another's lives, what that would look like, I, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about how do we find those kind of relationships in our life. Because when we talk about something like this, I would imagine that many of us immediately can think, I know who that person is in my life. And, and yet for some of us, we might be like, I, I get what you're saying, but I don't really know who they are or, or even how to find them. And so I'd like to paint a picture for you of what I'm calling levels of intimacy in the relationships we have with different people so that you can begin to target in and maybe find who these people are that you can begin to walk with as you seek to grow wise together. And so there on your notes, there's these three circles, a big circle, a middle circle, and a small circle. And I'm calling each of these circles levels of intimacy. Or guys, if you're freaked out by the word intimacy, I'm also calling this relational proximity, if that feels better for you, all right? Because sometimes guys really like get freaked out by certain terms, so letting people in or closer. And, and so all of us kind of have these three, three levels in our life. And so the first level of intimacy or relational proximity is this, acquaintances. Acquaintances. An acquaintance is a person that you know by sight and maybe by name. Like for me, I'm really bad with names. So people who are in this level one circle in my life are, hey, guy. Because <laughs> I'm just, I'm really bad with names, right? But you understand in this room right now, this room is filled with level one relationships. This room is filled with acquaintances. If you are a creature of habit, and you come to the same service every time, and you sit in the same area every time, and then during the service we're like, hey, stand up and greet someone, you're, you're saying hi to an acquaintance, somebody that you've known for like six months, right? And you're like, hey, guy, right, as you say hi. Because that's just, that's just like that. In life, we all have acquaintances. There is nothing wrong with having people in your life who are only acquaintances. 
That's just a fact of life. All of us have a limited capacity to how much relationship we can handle and do at a given time. And so there will always be people who are level one, and that's fine. But the goal is to continually finding people who go closer and closer that we can do life with. And so the next level of intimacy or relational proximity is what I would call level two, and I would just simply call friends. Friends. A friend is a person in your life that you enjoy spending time with. You know a little bit about each other. You haven't necessarily gone incredibly deep in your relationship, but you know each other and you kind of run in the same social circles and you kind of do life together. This is someone you enjoy, somebody you like. I, I, I like to think of a level two friendship as a good time friend. Like there, there's somebody that's just around your life during the good times, and that's just like you enjoy celebrating life. It, when life hits the fan, when it kind of takes a south turn, these people may not be the people who are there for you, but they're part of your life in, in the meantime. And all of us have people in this circle to one degree or another that are level two friendships. And again, there will be some people in our life who are only this, and that is okay. But the goal as we seek to leverage this principle for our good is to begin to find what I'm calling a level three relationship. That would be a deep friend. A, a, a deep friend is somebody that you seek to spend time with. You inconvenience yourself. You, you adjust your schedule, your life, so that you can be with this person, that you can spend time with this person. A, a, a deep friend is somebody who is getting closer to you, and you're getting closer to them. You're starting to know each other's story, your background, your history. They begin to see beyond the facade that we all put on. This is the person that sees the good, they see the bad, they know the ugly, and they still want to be your friend. This is the kind of relationship we all need to have in our life with at least someone or a few people because we're all designed for this and created for this. Um, this proverb here, Proverbs 18.24, says this. It says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. See, all of us need to be striving to find this level three kind of a person in our life because we can have level two, and we can have tons and tons of level two, but the reality is we need that person who's with us through the difficult times as well. L let me just tell you this. You do not have as many friends as you think you have, as many friends as you think Facebook tells you, <laughs> right? I have 700 friends. No, you don't. You have 700 maybe level one acquaintances on Facebook, right? And, and here's the thing about us as people, we're all wired differently. So like I said, we have capacities for different amounts in each circle. And, and if you've ever done personality stuff with, with people, you, you'll know that like the population is kind of divided into two parts. There's introverts and extroverts. And there's a lot of stereotypes about what those are. So the stereotype of an introvert is that they're just like the social awkward person. I'm an introvert, okay? My social awkwardness has nothing to do with my introversion. I have other issues in my life that cause that, right? The definition of an introvert is somebody who gets energy by pulling away and spending time alone so that they can go back and re-engage with people. So if you're an introvert, you're going to find that you have different levels of capacity for each of these circles than somebody else. If you're an introvert, there's going to be times where you're like, you know what, I love you all. I'm just going to go have me time for a minute, little bit so I can keep loving you. Otherwise, it's going to get ugly fast, right? <laughs> Extroverts, you're very different. You're wired differently. You get energy by being around people. And so you may have a greater capacity for some, some more people, especially in the level two. Extroverts, you are like social vampires, right? <laughs> like you just go, here's an extrovert at a party. 
extrovert at a party is the person who's going around and saying hi to everyone, and they're going up, and they're not happy until they've met everyone, and they've just like sunk their fangs in and said, give me some energy, right? Social extrovert. So that's you at a party. This is me. This is an introvert at a party. Walk in the door. Okay, where's the wall? Where's the wall? Over here, people here. There's the vampire. Stay away from them, right? And so, and, then, and I'll, I'll just find a spot. I'll sit down, find that one person to engage with, and I'm fine. It's like there's nothing wrong, right? It, it, here's the thing. For you, there, there, there's nothing wrong with being one or the other. You just kind of figure out how you're wired and where you're at because that will determine how you seek to do relationship and things like that. But whether you're one way or the other, here's the thing. All of us need deep friends in our life. All of us need those people with whom we are going to walk because these are the friendships, these are the relationships that are going to help us leverage this principle in our life. It's one of the reasons why we do life groups as a church is to take this crowd, this room of level one, and in life groups we try to create an opportunity, an environment where we can begin to find level two people in our life where we can begin to find people that would, that would maybe be friends. And then the goal in that is that over time, as you begin to connect with people in your life group, that there may be some people that you're just going to connect with for, for a variety of reasons, chemistry, history, whatever, and that you can begin to go deep with a few of those people. And, and so this is why we do life groups. We're trying to put this principle to work in our church. And I want you to understand that. Like, I don't want you to show up, if you're going to life group this week, to the first week of life group, and suddenly expect that everyone's going to be level three with you. That's not the purpose of life groups, right? If you're expecting that, you're going to be sorely disappointed, and you're going to freak a lot of people out, okay? (laughs) The purpose of life groups is to begin to find these level two friendships, and as they form over time, to start going deeper on your own time together as you do life together. This is why we, we do life groups. And so let's talk about, then, what it looks like to leverage this principle in those friendships. Because again, as you begin to identify people in your life and you can kind of say like, you know, I think there's a level two, there's a potential to go deeper in this friendship. What does it look like? What do influential relationships do as we share life together? And so here's the first thing that an influential relationship does. Influential relationships challenge each other. We challenge each other on the journey. A deep friend, an influential relationship is somebody who is willing to get in your face because they care enough about you to say what's going on. Look at what it says here on your notes, Proverbs 27, 6. It says, wounds from a friend can be what? Trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. What that means is that if someone comes to you who is a close friend and they say, what are you doing? It's because they care about you. They're looking out for you. But enemies in your life, they could care less. I mean, imagine this. Imagine that you're walking down a trail, and at the end of this trail, there is danger. There's something that's going to cause great harm to you. And an enemy comes up, and they see you going down that path, and they know where it leads. What do you expect an enemy to do? Run faster, right? You don't expect them to look out for you. You expect them to encourage you to your demise. But you're on that same path, you're walking to your destruction, and a friend comes up and sees where you're going. What do you expect a friend to do? Look out. Stop. And yet, why do we resent them when they do that? Who do you think you are to tell me how to live my life? You know what the answer to that question is? I'm your friend, and I care about you. That's who I think I am. And I care too much about you to let you go down that road to to chase after that thing that's going to hurt you and cause damage. 
And so as you think about influence and you think about this principle and you think about people shaping your life and who you're sharing your life with, who has permission in your life to get in your face when you need it? And in your friendships, who are you willing, whose face are you willing to get in because you care enough about them to warn them? Because that's what influential relationships do. Something else that influential relationships do, then this next thing that you'll find as you begin to do this well in relationship, influential relationships will support each other as you go through life. And and I want to qualify real quick what I mean by that, because a lot of times we think that that the true friend is the one who supports us in our dreams, right? I want to do this. If your dreams are stupid or bad or evil, a real friend should not support you in those dreams, right? That that goes back to category one, they'll challenge you. What I mean by support is that that person is going to be there for you in life to help you as you go through life. Look at uh, Proverbs 17, 17. It says this. It says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. I I remember growing up reading this proverb. uh, My older brother Jared, he's four years older than me. What I thought this proverb meant when I was growing up was that because of Jared, I have adversity. That's what I thought the proverb meant. As I've grown up and understand what it's talking about, it's like, oh, I, I get it. That there, there are people in our life who are as close to us as family and that they are with us through thick and thin. And we all need those people in our life, those people that support us. This is what it looks like when you begin to support one another. There's, there's areas in which we support each other. One of the areas that we support each other is emotionally. How are you doing? What's going on with your life? Are you okay? One of the areas that we support each other is Spiritually. That we go to war for one another. That we go to our dad on behalf of a friend or someone in our life and we pray for them. God, would you strengthen them? Would you protect them? Would you heal them? Would you move in their life? We support each other spiritually. There will be times on the journey where we will support one another financially. Where the rug gets pulled out from under us and we are in dire straits and we need help. And that we will come into each other's life and say, I will help with that. I will pay those bills. I will give you what you need so you can get back on your feet. Now, obviously, we have to be wise in how we do this because in the New Testament, it teaches us that those who will not work will not eat. That there's a difference between the person who's lazy and the person who cannot work and needs help. So we have to be wise so that we don't enable someone in their dysfunction. We challenge that person. The person who's in legitimate need, we support that person. And another area where you may experience a sense of support is like physical labor for another person in their life, like helping them out with something that they need done. I can't tell you how many times I've had friends help me move my family from one place to the other place. And I'm so grateful for them because they saved me hundreds of dollars so I could put diapers on the butts of my little girls. And I'm like, thank you. You're supporting me. I appreciate that. One of my favorite definitions of a friend is this. One who carries my sorrows on their back. See, that's the person who walks into your life after everyone else has walked out of your life. Because influential relationships support one another. I remember experiencing this at a difficult time in my life with uh, my, my friend. He was my roommate at the time as we were both going through school. And um, I had just gotten a phone call from my family that my grandpa didn't make it through the surgery. Uh, he was having his second quadruple bypass, and uh, he didn't take his lesson after the first one, kept smoking, got to this one, and the doctor said, if we don't do this, you'll die. If we do do this, you may not make it, but it's the best shot we got. And so, you know, we were all praying for him and everything, and I get the call from my family, and they're like, hey, grandpa didn't make it. 
And I just remember like feeling that moment and the weight of it and the loss of my life and, and just being home alone. And I was just laying down in the middle of my room in my apartment and just had some music on and was just trying to figure it all out. And my roommate comes home and he comes walking into the hallway. He walks past my room, walking into his room, and all of a sudden he kind of stops and backs up and sticks his head in. And, and he's, he can just tell that this isn't normal behavior for me. And so he's like, he's like hey, is everything okay? And I just told him, like, my grandpa died. And I remember what my friend did in that moment. He just makes this sound, just this, and the backpack drops from his shoulder, and he just drops to the ground and sits in the doorway of my room. And he just says, Joel, I'm so sorry. And for the next 30 minutes or so, he just sits with me. And he's with me in that moment, supporting me the only way he can, the only way that makes sense. Because you can't fix something like that. That's, that's like a permanent kind of a thing. You can't change it. You can't fix it. There's nothing that you can say. And to be sure, as followers of Jesus, we have a hope that transcends death. I mean, you look at what Jesus has done for us. You look at what Jesus said, because I live, you also will live. You look at what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15 that talks about the hope we have in the resurrection of Jesus. And he wraps that chapter up and he says, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? We have a hope that transcends that. But until that day, we feel the pain of it now. And so my friend was with me in that moment carrying my sorrow on his back because that's what influential relationships do for one another and so as you think of your life who are the people in your life who carry your sorrows on their back and who are the people that you would choose to carry their sorrows on your back as you seek to be that person that friendship to them But this is what influential relationships do. This is what it looks like to live out this proverb, that if we want to walk with the wise, that when we walk with the wise, we will grow wise, that we do life together. And and so this is, again, one of the reasons why we do life groups as a church. As As we start life groups this session, it's so that we can do this together. We can leverage this principle together in our life. Here is the purpose of life groups. This is why we do life groups, this one reason, to help us become more like Jesus. That's why we do life groups. That as we go through life together, sharing life, sharing what's going on, the main reason we do that is so that we can grow wise together as we walk through life together. And so that's why we do life groups. And so I, I want to ask you some questions right now. As you think about the implication of this proverb, as you think about what this means for your life, I want to ask you some questions as you think about leveraging this principle in your life. And I want you to think of it kind of in two arenas of your life. If you are in a life group, I want you to think about this in terms of how this applies to your involvement with your life group. But if you're also just thinking about the friendships in your life, I want you to think about how this principle applies to the friendships in your life in light of these questions I have for you. So here's the first question. Number one, are you willing to commit? Are you willing to commit? See, the key to any relationship is time and history together. I mean, stop and think about the people that you've grown closer to over the last season of your life. A key element of that is that you've just committed to being together and to doing life together. And so if you think about this in terms of life groups, one of the key features that makes a a life group function is the commitment to being there, to showing up week after week. In fact, this week in your life groups, you're going to go over what we call the life group covenant. 
And uh, if, you're, if you sign up for Life Group and we have your email address correct, we're going to actually email this to you later today. And then you can pick up a hard copy at the point if you want. But your leader is going to go over this with you, your first night of Life Group. And this is your covenant. This is what, uh, what we're committing to be and do together over this next 10 weeks. And so you're just going to walk through this together so you have a sense of what, what the goal is, what the purpose is, what you're trying to be in each other's life. And then on the back by week three, you're going to sign off like, hey, I'm committing to this. I want to be a part of this and do this with you in life. And, and so are you willing to commit? And you think about the friendships and the relationships in your life. If, if you started to identify somebody that, that's maybe in that level two category and you have a sense that this could go into a deeper friendship, are you willing to commit to that person and to say, hey, let's try to, let's try to move this to a deeper level of relationship? Are you willing to commit? Here, here's my second question for you. Are you willing to engage as you think about leveraging this principle in your life? Because committing and engaging are two different things. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been engaged in a conversation with someone who wasn't there? Like they know how to smile and nod and go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, don't elbow them if they're sitting next to you, but like you've all had that conversation, right? Like they were there, but they weren't there. We need to choose to engage in our relationships. And if you're in a life group, you need to engage and be a participant in that life group. And one of the key ways that you're going to engage in your life group is by doing your homework that you have that's a part of being in that life group. Uh, life groups will do one of two things. One group will study a book or read something and come prepared to discuss it. Some of our groups, they do the sermon-based homework that we create. And so uh, every week out at the point, we'll have hard copies of this for you. You can also download it online. We try to give you no reason to have an excuse not to do it. <laughs> and, and yet here's the purpose. Here's the point of doing the homework as you seek to engage, is that you, you'll, you'll dive into this. And so in the, the sermon-based homework, the first side is a personal study time where you're just kind of wrestling with the things that we've taught on the weekend and engaging with what else that God has in his words about that. And then on the back side, there's some questions that you're going to work through in preparation for your group discussion. And, and so the purpose of the homework is so that you can show up to your group and have something to share. Let me tell you, this is not the purpose of the homework. It is not so that you can pontificate on your vast biblical knowledge and go, let me tell you what the Lord showed to me from hesitations this week as I was in deep study. Like, that's not the purpose of the homework. The purpose of doing your homework is so that you can come and say, this is what God's doing in my life. This is how he's challenging me. This is how he's growing with me. And in hopes that someone else can relate and be encouraged with your story. And so this first week of life groups, you're going to have a potluck. Most of the groups are going to do a potluck of some sort. And so, you know, your leader's going to call, hey, can you bring this? Can you bring that? And so the potluck is kind of like an analogy of why we do the homework. Because every week you come, it's like a spiritual potluck. And are you bringing something to the table for others to share and engage with? And so are you willing to engage in your life group? Are you willing to engage in your relationships? Third question. As you think about the implications of leveraging this principle in your life, are you willing to give what you hope to gain when it comes to these relationships? See, all, a lot of times we're like, I just want to get it, I want to get it, but we never think, well, it's reciprocating. And there are times where you will have to make the first step. You will have to give to others what you hope to gain in that relationship. I mean, there's a simple phrase that we teach our kids. Hey, if you want to have good friends... Be a good friend. And so if you're looking at those circles of, of intimacy in your life and you see that there are a lot of level two people in your life, like friends, but you haven't really found those people to go deep with, I would encourage you to start investing in those relationships. Diversify your relational portfolio. 
and start investing until something clicks and something gives, and then you begin to, to build that relationship with one another. But, but one of my roles here at Rocky Peak is I oversee our life groups, and so there will be times we'll all have conversations with people in our church, and, and they will ask me the question, where is the church in my life? Because they're, they're frustrated, they're hurting, or there's no one around them. And, and so I'll just start gently asking some questions back. And so one of the questions I'll ask is like, well, tell me what life group you're in. Oh, well, well I'm, I'm not in a group, too busy. It's like, okay, well, well, tell me where you're serving, where you're involved at. Well, I mean, I don't have time for that. And it's like, well, I think I know what the problem is. Like, I, I had this conversation with a woman on the phone, and, and she wasn't a part of our church. I was talking to her. She lived in another part of Southern California. Not that our church is perfect. We have our issues. We're working on it together. That's why we all need Jesus, right? But I was at least able to say this wasn't true of our church, at least this phone call I had. And so she's asking the question, where's the church in my life? Where's the church in my life? And I just start asking those questions. It's like, well, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. Literally, as we're on the phone, her front door bell rings. Someone's knocking at the door. And she's like, hold on, I got to go get that. And so she goes to the door. And I think she's holding the phone in such a way that I could hear this conversation. So she opens the door. And there's a woman. She says, hey, I'm one of your neighbors. I live down the street. I go to this church. I just wanted to know if you'd want to be a part of a Bible study of women that live in the neighborhood. And I am thinking, God, you were awesome. Like, you, you are getting her. You're setting her up. This is amazing. Like, she's complaining, and here you are. You're literally answering her question until I hear her say, I'm too busy. I can't do it. And I hear the door shut, and then she gets back on the phone. Where's the church? And I wanted to yell at her. He just sent them to your door, and you slammed the door in the church's face. See, when your life is falling apart, and you have not been a part of the church, you have not invested your life in the church, it's too late to ask, where's the church? You have to engage now. You have to commit now. You have to be willing to give what you hope to gain so that you can experience what the church is meant to be as we do life together. So are you willing to give what you hope to gain? And then my last question for you in light of this is this question. Are you willing to share what you have been given. And here's what I mean with that question. Because again, I'll, I'll talk with people in my role, and I, like, it's kind of funny because sometimes people are like, oh, here comes Joel selling the life group Amway, you know, so it's like, all right, come on. This is what we're supposed to be as a church, right? But I'll, I'll talk with some people and say like, like, hey, what are you doing? Hey, where are you at? And people will just say like, you know, I'm good. I'm doing good in life. Like, I've got these relationships. I'm fine. And, and, and you'll hear a talk like this, and you'll be like, you know, I know exactly who those people are in my life, and so I'm good. And my question would be, if that's you, if you're listening to this and you're feeling good about yourself, like, yeah, good for you, but understand that you're good for a reason, and that's to be a part of this church. Like, if you are in a good season of life, God has blessed you with some, some relational, like, health or all sorts of things, let me tell you that the reason God is blessing you is so that you can, in turn, be a blessing to others. See, one of the key features in this proverb, he who walks with the wise grows wise. One of the key things that we need are wise people to walk with. And if that's you, what are you doing with what God has entrusted with you? What are you doing with that? Are you being a part of this church? Are, are you giving what he has given you to this church to be a part of it? Men and women, we need you to be a part of the journey with us. Because he calls us to become like him in the way he so often does that is as we do life together. And so this is where we're going as a church. This is what we're called to be as church together. 
that we would leverage this principle in one another's lives so that we could walk with the wise in order to grow wise. Are you with us? Are you going to do this? Are you going to be a part of this? Are you going to figure it out? I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up right now. And as they're coming up, um, we're going to just go into a time of worship together. I'm going to invite the ushers to come up in just a minute. And what what I want to do as we go into this time is just to pray over us as a church, to pray into this season that we're heading into, that that we would choose to embrace this in our lives with one another. And, and, And I want to give you a warning as we go into this season together. My warning is this, that there is an enemy who does not like it when God's kids get together and take their dad seriously. And so you want to have your your alerts on. You want to have a heads up because I guarantee you that as you choose to implement this in your life, as you choose to leverage this in the relationships you have, that the enemy is going to want to come in and disrupt that. And he's going to kind of have a couple of tactics he's going to try and use in you. The first tactic is this. He's going to want to make you busy and he's going to want to isolate you from the body of Christ. Because if he can take you out of relationship, he is just taking you out of the game. And so I guarantee as you try to implement this, your life's going to get crazy, it's going to get hectic, and you're going to have to make a choice to engage and be a part of this regardless so that he doesn't get you off on your own where he can just take you out. The other way our enemy is going to want to disrupt this in our life as a church is through conflict. Because one of the things that he loves to do is to stir dissension among us. And so here's what I can guarantee you, probably we'll, you'll discover at your group, that you're going to get into your life group, you're going to start meeting people, and there's going to be somebody that's going to rub you the wrong way because they're messed up. And the reason why you're getting rubbed the wrong way is because you're also messed up. And the enemy's going to come in and create conflict and dissension, and you're going to be like, I don't know if I like this person, I don't know if I want to be a part of this. And let me tell you, when that happens... Let the radar go off in your life and realize that the enemy is trying to destroy what God wants to do. And so here's what you do in a situation like that. You go to that person and you say, you know, I don't know if I like you very much right now. But what I do know is that we still need each other, so we have to figure this out. So we need to stick it to him by sticking together. That's what we do as a church. All right? And so would you stand and pray with me right now as we go into this time of worship, as we pray over the offering, ushers can come on up, and we go into the season together as a church. And so Father, we stand together as your church, as your kids, as your family, and God, you've called us to live life together, you've called us into relationship, you've called us into relationship with you and into relationship with one another. And so God, we want to be faithful to that call in our life. So God, would you teach us what it means to walk with the wise so that we could grow wise, so that we could grow into the men and women you have freed us and created us to be. Would we stick with it? Would we walk with with one another? Would we bear with one another in love? Would we forgive as we've been forgiven? Would we not let the enemy have a foothold in this church? And so we come together. We join our voices together in this song to declare how much we need you, how grateful we are for you and for what you've done and what you're doing and what is yet to come. In your name, amen. That's the hope that we have, that we're not in this alone, that he's in this with us, helping us figure it out, helping to grow us up into the men and women he's created us to be, that he's freed us to become. And one of the beautiful things about being a part of the body of Christ is that you have this new family now and you don't ever have to be alone. That you have brothers and sisters to walk with. 
And, and so this morning as you're here, if you need to process with someone, if you need to pray with someone, I want to encourage you in the back of the room over here would be some men and women who would love to love on you in that way. So if you need that, make your way on over there after the service and they'll be there to meet with you. But may you be shaped by the people with whom you share your life so that you can become the person he has set you free to become. And in turn, will you choose to shape the lives of others as they share their life with you? And we seek to be church together as we go forward from this place. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For Lead Pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.